This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at gocamp.pro. This Go Camp Pro podcast is sponsored in part by Camp Gig. Camp Gig is more than just a job board. Camp Gig is designed to be the most useful matching and search tool for camps and camp staff. Camps can sign up today to scan and search through Camp Gig's vast selection of candidates. If you've ever wanted an easy button for finding your next great camp staff, then head over to campgig.com and set up your camp's profile today. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their kids, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability and to learn along the way. A well thought out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine. And we need to help each other bring our very best. As we get started today, we're just going to tell you a little bit about who we are. So Ruby, can I ask you to go first, please? For sure. My name is Ruby Compton. I'm the Chief Exploration Officer for Ruby Outdoors, which is just a fancy way to say that I'm self-employed. I do consulting and training and support for camps all over the world, but my primary focus is on camps in Western North Carolina in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains where I live, doing everything from teaching lifeguarding to CPR first aid to behavior management, basically like a freelance camp director these days. So the best of all worlds. A little bit of everything. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks, Ruby. And Gab, let's hear from you. Well, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains of Quebec, Canada. And we try to create a positive female community uh, for all of our staff and campers. And we are creeping up on our 99th anniversary. Very exciting. Thanks, Gab. And I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and Go Camp Pro. And after 15 years as a director, I now have the privilege of working as camp consultant with my husband, Travis. And my true focus is intentional leadership training and helping camps to build solid and supportive communities. And our topic for today's podcast is how we can help our international staff integrate and have the best training experience possible. And Ruby's going to share with us why we chose this particular topic. Earlier this season, we talked a little bit about the culture shock of our staff coming to camp and how what we do and how we do camp is pretty different from some of the rest of the world. There's some things absolutely that overlap, but there are some real differences. And there's a whole extra layer of culture shock that can happen when we're talking about international staff who are coming to the United States or to Canada or North America or just someplace that's not home uh, that we want to make sure we are taking into consideration as we're training them. Perfect. So why don't you start us off, Ruby? What are a couple tips that you've got to share with us? For sure. So I worked at a big YMCA camp that we had about 200 folks, 200 plus folks on staff. And I would say over my time there, we opened a resident camp. So when we opened up that residential program, we started hiring international staff. And maybe 20% ish, maybe not even that many, were international folks. And so I feel really fortunate that one of our directors who came on when we opened that resident camp 
had had some experience working with international staff. And so one of the things that she made sure to prioritize time to do was to, for in our camps in the States, taking those international staff to the social security office so they could get their social security number so they can get paid and getting them over to the bank for, we did a direct deposit system. So they had to have a bank account. And I think sometimes these little logistics are things that we expect them to sort of deal with on their own, or they're just like, they fall through the cracks. And one of the worst things is to work a job and not get paid or have stress about when you're going to get that money. So those things take time. So as soon as you're able to start getting those staff to the appropriate agencies, the appropriate offices, whether that's your, you know, one of your leadership team members is taking them, you're hiring an alum to come do it, whatever that might look like. But you definitely want to make sure that you're prioritizing that time and space to get folks to get their ducks in a row for what they need and to hold their hand to do it. It's not going to be a process that's super simple especially if you're doing it in the United States. So uh, make sure you're prioritizing some time for that. And if you have questions about how to do that, um, I'm guessing many of you who are listening to this have worked with or are considering working with some sort of international agency, a placement agency, get in touch with them and they can help kind of set up that checklist for you and help you navigate what are those steps that you need to take to get them set up to get paid. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right, Gab, what have you got to get started on? Um, uh, lots of things. Well, I think <laughs> I'm like, uh, where do I start? So many things. Um, okay. So first of all, um, just, just to enter into the mindset of your international staff, just enter into where are they coming from? What have they experienced so that we can empathize their journey? And, um, one of the things, the further our staff member come, the further our staff member come from, the more time we try to give them free time when they arrive at camp so that they're not walking in to staff training like a lot of our staff members are. They're actually walking in to recoup, uh, to sleep, to drink a lot of herbal tea, um, to have some fruits and vegetables, stuff that centers them back in, in their own body, in their own system. And yes, a lot of our staff members are younger, but that trek uh, just on their body, on their emotions, on their mental state is high anxiety, a lot of drain. And some staff members won't need it. Some of them might need to be social right away, but they might crash in a couple of days and be upfront with them about that, that you want them to take a little bit of that time. So what we do is we try to plan a time for them when they do arrive, a little bit of a, of a buffer zone, a space that's quiet, not where there's other staff members walking in. And sometimes it's in the health center and they already know that that's gonna be available for them. And um, this has really helped our staff just integrate uh, into camp. The other thing that uh, we talk about before they arrive is just a simple a conversation about your, not just your camp culture, but about perhaps Canadian culture. And the best people to do that conversation are past staff members that are international staff members as well, to, to just share some of, the, some of the differences that they experience with, within Canada or the US or wherever you're listening from this, uh, listening to this podcast from. And of course, um, if you're in the US, well, it's so different if you're from North Carolina versus um, somewhere like Vermont. There's a huge, you just drive through the US, it's almost like you're hitting different countries as you go along. So, so helping people and educating them in that. I also like to, um, 
bring people into town so so that it the the closest uh, uh, town that usually staff if they have their days off that's where they go um, as soon as possible so they can see something that's just outside of the woods and sticks of your camp if you are uh, most likely a sleep away camp um, so bringing them out and just saying this is where you know you're going to have your day off this is these are the cool things that you can do here usually most camps there's like an ice cream store and there's the dollar store and there's a couple of those <laughs> those pieces but you do want to bring your international staff and explain to them because dollar store might not be the same as where they're coming from uh, all of these little things and also the local delicacies that that they might not know what that is could be really cool and interesting to them. So just getting them situated, getting them grounded, make sure they have a little bit of space to absorb all of the extra knowledge that they need to absorb to do a good job and really try to put yourself in their shoes uh, to set them up right. Excellent way to start off. For me, before hiring international staff, it's a great idea for you to first define why you've decided to go that route. Is it because you're hoping to build community that includes campers and other staff learning about more cultures around the world? Um, is it simply because you can't find staff here who are excited about the work? Or maybe it's for a completely different reason. But whatever it is, now's the time to define it and articulate it so that you and all your North American staff understand why you are hiring international people. Um, and your why will also help you guide you in making your best decisions in this process. So as you can see, we are starting from the point in this podcast where you've taken probably all the necessary steps, done the interview process, the references, the criminal background check, obtained the appropriate work permit, you know, helped your staff get the required health insurance and so on. So you've likely done all of this work with, uh, as Ruby said, one of the great international staff hiring companies companies that we have here in North America. So today we really want to focus on now what? And you've heard some great ideas already from Gab and Ruby. How do we make them feel comfortable, supported, a part of the team, and ready to get the most from staff training? And of course, we want to ensure that we provide a safe educational work experience for, for all of our staff. But hiring those from other countries also helps us to promote great cultural exchange between our people. And in my experience, can yield so many positive results. I just want to say before um, that I add my bit that the ACA and the CCA both have best practices for international staff that's listed on their websites, particularly if you're not working with a sponsoring agency. So you can have a further look there for information about this whole process. For the endeavor to be really successful, it's imperative that you personally connect with each of these individuals. So if your organization is simply too large or you hire a lot of internationals, there should be somebody on your team and there could be a set of somebody's who has this connection as part of their role. So no surprise here, but I strongly suggest that you front load with international staff all of your rules, your regulations, your expectations, so that there are few, as few surprises as possible when they do get to camp. Get them their, their handbook, their camp policies, their job description, their program descriptions, time off policies, expectations, basically everything, before they get here. And give them time to go over it all and ask questions of you and be sure that they understand it. So I'd set up a time with them by phone or online a few weeks after they've received the package and go over things that will help avoid real headaches in the future. 
One of the things that we had to really be sensitive to was language barriers and figuring out how we were going to deal with them. And we can't forget that for many of our international staff, English will be at least a second language. And then you have to add all the camp lingo on top of that. So all camps have words and phrases that they use that make absolutely no sense to those people who don't work there. We had our share of them for sure. Um, so maybe you can create a camp dictionary if you don't already have one. If you don't, I also highly recommend you get one and put it in your staff manual and add that to the list of things that you send to these new staff members. And maybe you don't send it all at once. Maybe you feel like that's too overwhelming. So you send bits and pieces along the way. But prepare, also prepare them with a very specific list of what to bring to camp, what they think um, they will need for weather, uh, maybe different from what they'll actually need, uh, and make sure they understand all the, the things that they will need to bring for activities that you offer, like closed-toed shoes or things like that. The other thing I would think about is, uh, what can you provide as a camp for them so that they don't have to bring it, like bedding, um, you know, all those kinds of things that they would have too much, uh, wouldn't have too much room for on the plane. And what you can do now is maybe sit down with other staff members and brainstorm what you can provide to make this transition as smooth as possible. And that'll get your current staff, your North American staff, really excited about the people coming in. Ruby talked about bank staff. Think also about the fact that they will probably have no access to a car when they're at camp, so they might need help with finding transportation for time off. Um, I'd also do things like we talked about in our Camp Culture Shock uh, podcast, but talk to them about bugs or snakes or bears or whatever they need to know before they agree to come to your camp. And as Gab has told us in many podcasts before, um, be as realistic as possible and don't sugarcoat anything. So like all staff, we need reality to gel with their expectations or we're going to lose them as soon as they get here. And I think one of the, the last things that I would like to, to share in this round is um, assign them maybe a staff buddy, a trusted staff member who knows the ropes and would be an excellent ambassador. Um, I think that would be a really incredibly wise investment for you. And this person should be close to their own age and sensitive to the needs of other people. You'll know how to pick them. And arrange for them to meet online, maybe, or on by telephone as soon as they're hired, and then do monthly or bi-weekly check-ins to ensure that that international staff person is still feeling comfortable. It gives them somebody on staff that they'll know as soon as they arrive on site. Um, and if you have a lot of international staff, I would strongly consider hiring a North American staff member who can serve as that liaison person. Um, somebody that your international staff know they can go to if they have issues, whose responsibility it is to oversee things like food and banking and time zones and all those kinds of things. And be sure that your international hires fully understand who this person is, that they're there to help and connecting them as soon as they're hired with this person would be a real must in um, beginning to develop that solid relationship. Ruby, what else have you got? Hey Ruby, it is camp staff hiring season and I wanna know what are your top three beefs with traditional job boards? Oh, okay, that's easy. One, they each have their own login information that I use only once a year. Uh, the info that they give me on each hire is very text heavy. And I found that the majority of the candidates that reach out actually have no idea what camp is all about. Hmm. Well, Ruby, do you know which job board will turn all of those beefs into delicious burgers? <laughs> which one is that, Matt? Campgig.com. Campgig.com? 
Yeah, campgig.com is amazing. What sets them apart from the rest is that they have multimedia profiles assisting camps and candidates navigate internship, work experience, and practicum requirements for different university programs. Plus, all the candidates know camp. They know their way around us more, know the difference between a C-stroke and a J-stroke, and how to sing songs all day without losing their voice. Campgig.com sounds like the best place to find your next great camp hire. Get your profile set up today, and when you do, mention that you heard about Camp Gig on the Camp Code podcast. Yeah, you all checked a lot of the boxes. I just want (laughs) to add about cultural exchange that I've heard many times from staff who work at the placement agencies that uh, they have said, you know, the trip to the local Walmart can count as cultural exchange. (laughs) So as those often are um, requirements for them being there on the visas that they're that they're at your camp on um remember that you know we do need to build in some experiences and i think that was another thing that i saw one of my bosses do really really well which was making sure that there was um museum trips or trips downtown or things like that that were planned in the time off blocks and it didn't mean they went every time that she definitely gave them free time as well but um, creating that space was important. And that can be a nice way to offer some social opportunities for your staff who don't have cars or your staff who, you know, are underage and are not interested in drinking during this, uh, during their time off, if that's something that they're allowed to do on their time off if they are of age. So uh, just consider those kind of opportunities. I think the other piece that I've, I've had some conversations with local camps about is just how to talk about difficult stuff, uh, that understanding that culturally, you know, folks that you are hiring may come from countries where we never talk about A, or we always talk about this in this way, and that just may not be the way it's talked about here in the U.S. or at your camp. Um, And to recognize also just how polarized, especially in the United States, things are, and how to talk about politics. Um, And I know a lot of camps, the choices, we're just not going to talk about politics, uh, but I think we can do better than that. And maybe we need to be empowering our staff to talk about how to foster curiosity, how to keep conversations respectful, um, how to offer tools for managing a conversation when people disagree. We definitely need more conversations where people can disagree with one another, but also be civil. And so that is not necessarily something that folks are being taught when they're coming through their international placement agencies training. They're getting some of that, um, but I think it's a good idea to kind of assume that you're starting from square one and these cultural elements are important to talk about. And as Gab's identified too, like coming to the United States, coming to different parts of Canada, their experience culturally is going to be really different. It's not the same all the way across the United States. If you're at camp in Florida versus camp in, you know, Washington state, like it's just not the same. And so taking some time to, to do some regional discussion and what are some cultural elements of the place where they are going to live doing that ahead of time. And once they arrive, I think it's important to reinforce that stuff. Um, I think also empowering those staff to speak up if there is something that's going on that's making them really uncomfortable. Maybe there's something culturally that happens at your camp that is really different from the culture they have at home. And I know in my experience traveling abroad that there are sometimes you're in these situations that you're like, oh, I guess I have to eat this thing because I'm like, that's the polite thing to do right now. (laughs) Um, And 
you know, to what extent is that a, the situation at your camp? I would guess it's, it maybe is less so than other places that we may encounter. So um, just, I think it's important to offer them an out. So I love the idea, Gabs, that you gave of, you know, the further they come from, the more free time they get at the beginning, kind of that buffer. And I think also giving them, a, you know, a button that they can tap out and be like, I'm really uncomfortable with this. or I really don't know how to handle this. And just giving them that permission to speak up. And maybe it's to that liaison that Beth talked about. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the camp director that they need to go to. Uh, but I would consider some sort of process for that. Have you created that space for your staff so that they do feel like they can speak up? Excellent. Wise words as always. Thanks, Ruby. Uh, Gab, what else have you got for us? Well, to build off of what Ruby was talking about, um, we do a that's weird conversation. So it's about two to three days after um, camp. Now you can do this with any of your staff. So it could be your, you know, your, your, your young staff first year, young staff, and they get to talk about that's weird. Like I didn't know that happened behind the scenes, et cetera, et cetera. But the best ones that I like to participate in, and I only participate in the last 15 minutes. I do not start at the beginning because I want them to be comfortable. I asked two staff members that are returning staff members to run it. I coach them on how to run this um, conversation. And the goal is to get um, international staff members to talk about weird stuff that happens at camp. And for those two staff members to either be able to answer why that is, and if that is a good idea that we're still doing this at, at camp, is this just a Canadian culture thing? Is this just a uh, Camp Warrow thing? Um, but the the goal is to is to one just have a shared laugh experience but also to check in with everybody um in a safe environment and i come in at the end and there's there i have yet to come into this conversation where it's somber faces there's a lot of giggling a lot of laughing and then the takeaway is it's really important that that when when there's a weird that's weird situation that you bring it up if you don't understand the reason behind it because maybe we need to change this or maybe you need to have a little bit more education so you so you can follow through with whatever we're, we're trying to do, et cetera, et cetera. So have a that's weird conversation. People will bring a lot of really cool, funny, uh, weird stuff up uh, about your camp. Um, showcase their culture. Have an evening where, you know, food is such a great bringing of people together and um, you know, almost everybody can cook one thing from their hometown, their home country, and having an international night where, uh, where you have some of your internationals showcasing some of their foods is just such a wonderful evening. And people are proud, especially when you travel, you become more proud of where you come from than when you're actually at home. But giving them that opportunity to show, showcase where they are from or their grandmother's, you know, um, you know, meal, et cetera, et cetera, is such a lovely way of, of celebrating them and celebrating the diversity that you have invited into your camp. Bravo camps for bringing in people that, um, that are different, that have, may think differently, um, but we're all there for the same reason, of course, which is our campers. Um, I like to do an activity. I don't do it every year, like some of our great staff training programs. We don't do it every year because then it, we just water it, water it down. But this activity requires a large map or if you want um, to use a big projector and you give everybody three colored dots. So the first dot, there's only one and whatever color that may be, we're going to choose blue. The second dot, there's two, we're gonna say green. And then the third dots, there's four of them. And we're gonna say those are yellow. So the first dot represents where you're from, where you associate home. And you stick that on uh, the map. 
and then the and you go around and you talk about your home and what's special and what's special about your home then the second two dots you stick on the map that's where your parents or your folks are from now not everybody has two parents so people can choose if they want to use one dot if they want to use three dots it's people that they feel that raise them as you know their parental figures and then they get to talk about what's special about their homes and then the last dot which is the 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 the, the grandparent generation again doesn't have to be biological it can be somebody that they connected with that's that's older and they stick them on the map and what you tend to see is a variety of different places of where we come from and all that culture that we're bringing in and you, you have a conversation about i don't actually really know what where my grandmother i know she's from england but i don't even know where um but i could hear her accent come out when she was really frustrated and then she went back to a canadian accent which was my grandmother by the way and she was not british she was scottish and now she's rolling in my grave because i said england um but having having just showcasing where your roots are from um and and being able to talk about it and being able to talk about what's what's special to you and then and then saying what do we have all in common here what is our goal and this is a great way to start talking about your mission and your mission at camp and what our focus is and that we're not all the same and that's what that's what's wonderful so you know some sort of activity like that that, that takes less than half an hour just get everybody connected in the sense that we are all different is is a wonderful way to say hey international staff you're welcome and we're happy that you're here with us today. I love that. I'm I'm doing that this summer for sure. Like great writing that all down. That's brilliant. Love it. Um for me personal check-ins with you or that other person that senior staff member um, that you've assigned will be imperative especially in the first few days. So no doubt your staff training will be an overwhelming time for them because it can be like that for any staff member. Um, but adding on cultural differences can really up that anxiety. So it's really important to stay connected and help them to feel supported. So make sure that you're doing those daily check-ins. Maybe you have a few people that do that. They don't have to be sort of formal sit-down ones, but you're just checking to make sure they understand what they've been learning, um, that they're feeling okay with things. Uh, Giving them permission to come to you is really important, as Ruby said, um, but sometimes I feel we need to do the make that first step and do the checking in just to give them that opportunity to remind them that we, they have that place to talk to us. I would make sure that they're registered for and they receive the appropriate training for any necessary qualifications for their position the position that you've hired them for. Um, we have to remember that other countries may do things differently on the waterfront or at high ropes or whatever other programs you offer. So we wanna make sure our international staff feel really confident in their abilities when they're here. Another thing that I would do, and Gab sort of touched on it a little bit, is figure out what food they usually like to eat. Food is such a huge factor in adjusting to a new place. So think of all your campers who spend time missing home. It's often at mealtime. So it might be a really fun and thoughtful thing to do to have a few dishes during training, which are things that they're used to. So not necessarily um, that showcase night that Gab was talking about, which is a brilliant idea, but also just through the, the regular course of your day. I remember <laughs> I was doing some training a few years ago at a camp in Northern Michigan. Southern Michigan, sorry, and they were having gravy and biscuits for breakfast, and they were so excited. The return staff were like, it's gravy and biscuit day. It's the best day. We love gravy and biscuits, <laughs> and out these gravy, these biscuits came covered in gray gravy, which to a Canadian was quite surprising, I have to tell you. The color was not appealing in any way. Um, but the staff was so excited about it, and this young man who was over uh, from England just turned to me and said, 
now is this something you Canadians would be excited about too? <laughs> Just knew that he was not impressed with gravy and biscuits, but he'd never seen it before. So um, just having those opportunities for them to try stuff, but also uh, making sure maybe you've thrown in some things um, that they usually have, like maybe mushy peas or something at dinner. I don't know. Um, I'd also be sensitive to them needing to call home or connect with people at home and the different time zones. So when our North American staff have time off during the day, their family and friends likely do too, but that probably won't be the case for many international staff. So try to find out what their time zone is um, we'll definitely find out what their time zone is, but try to help them work maybe their time off during the day around that at least every few days so that they can connect with the people back home. Maybe you could find an alumni or a uh, local family who would love to help sponsor the staff member um, during the summer. And by that, I simply mean maybe visit them um, at camp, write to them, send them cards, uh, invite them to come to their cottage during time off, something like that. But there might be a nice relationship that you can start building there. For me, if you are seeking out international staff, you have to be excited about that cultural exchange experience. So take real advantage of that. And Gab has already given you a couple of great ideas to do that. Demonstrate yourself to the rest of your staff a real valuing of international um, staff and acceptance of cultural differences. I think in today's day and age, it will go a long way if we can um, start at the grassroots and really teach people that we value people who may be different from us. Um, I would also take that uh, advantage a little bit further and offer times during training and the summer when your international staff can share a bit about their country and its culture. Um, in fact, you could even begin that right now. I think that many parents would be thrilled to see this in your marketing and your communication with campers. Maybe you could ask your international staff to write like a short blog article or do some Instagramming of where they currently live or where they go to school and have them share a bit about themselves before they arrive. Expanding the minds of all of our staff by offering opportunities to learn about other people is one of the reasons we choose to live in community and intentionally help others to grow and thrive. I cannot stress enough the importance of checking in with them daily, at least daily during training, making sure that they're on board with what they're learning, absorbing, and feeling. It can be such an incredible sharing experience to have international people on your staff and it can help build bridges and inspire other staff and campers to want to travel and see the world but it also takes extra time and care to ensure that they're fitting in feeling accepted and supported and benefiting from a positive experience so we really encourage you to go after this if this is something that would fit with your camp but just be sure um, that you're really thinking things through and trying your best to make them feel supported uh, before uh, when and after they get here. Is there anything else anybody would like to add before we start our famous recap? I have one little tidbit to throw in just as someone who has been doing more trainings at camp, going and teaching lifeguarding or popping in to do a training for an hour or two. Uh, if you do have folks that are coming in to do training, be it a camp trainer or somebody from the community, I think it is really helpful to tell those folks if you have international staff, um, you know, what, who's there, if there's any adaptations that are going to be made, like if they're going to have somebody doing some whisper translation, or if there might be somebody whose English is not their first language, that's very, very helpful 
Um, I've had folks go through lifeguarding classes that they weren't able to pass the, the written test. But when I sat down, and that's partially because the tests are written very terribly. Uh, but when I sat down and asked them questions and was able to check for comprehension, it was there, right? Um, and so obviously that was something I figured out over the course, but it is nice to have that heads up. So if that's a, if you are bringing folks in, I do recommend just giving those trainers that, that heads up. It's helpful. Great. Thank you. Gab, anything else from you or would you like to start the recap? Oh, let's do the recap there. We have some All really right. good stuff and I'm excited to get into it. Okay. So number one, we have to start with our why. Why are you hiring internationals? Is it simply to fill up your camp with staff, which is absolutely fine, but make sure you get excited about it because these are people that are making a huge trek to come to your organization in your little neck of the woods. Second, I'd like to highlight is that we have mentioned in this podcast four times the value of making sure that they feel comfortable to come forward and check-ins. So I'll start there. Check-ins, make sure we can do check-ins, such as maybe do a little group discussion on that's weird. Empower staff to speak up, have a tap out button, buddy and or uh, liaison. These are all opportunities for your staff members to check in. Uh, uh, what about uh, social security road trip, anybody? That could be really fun. Um, also, uh, let's look at uh, empathizing with those staff members and planning accordingly to set them up in the, within the first 72 hours. Also check out the ACA, CCA. Uh, they have some really good stuff on how to welcome staff members and some of the legal stuff that you might need to do. Uh, market your staff. Do plan cultural exchange. Uh, also appropriate training according to your region. Just because they're a lifeguard somewhere else doesn't mean that they're gonna be qualified to do the lifeguarding within your region. Um, also describe the packing list. Don't only just send them a list, but maybe also explain to them what does a headlamp mean? And also what will we be providing? We don't want our staff members to be traveling with pillows and uh, bedding, et cetera, from afar, especially with restrictions. Do a camp dictionary and also showcase their culture. It's such a wonderful way to say welcome is to be interested in them and maybe do a little bit of homework and see that, you know, Australians like Tam Tams and, you know, having a little pack uh, ready for them might be quite nice as a welcoming uh, present. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Gab. Great recap as usual. And here's how you yourself can get involved on our podcast. So you can join us uh, using the hashtag camp code and let us know what topics you would like us to discuss, any guests you would that we talk to. Uh, and we have a few coming up uh, in just a few weeks. So we're excited about that. And what great leadership training tips you have to share with us. We would love to hear from you because we're all about sharing in this industry. And if you found our podcast to be useful to you, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review for us in iTunes. Do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, or you can simply tweet your love for the show by going to camphacker.tv slash campcodelove, and your feedback helps us to keep the show going. And if you'd like to contact any of us individually, this is how you do it. Ruby. You can email me ruby at rubyoutdoors.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at rubyoutdoors, and I'm on Twitter at rubylin85. Thanks, Ruby. And Gab, how about you? You can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail. Rail has two L's. You can check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U.com. <laughs> the camp with all the vowels. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> just have I know a joke right about order. vowels. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know a joke about vowels. <laughs> um, if you write into us, Ruby will share a joke with you. Uh, 
Um, and you can find me at gocamp.pro or email me directly at beth at gocamp.pro um, or on Instagram at topazfay, F-A-E. And Ruby's going to tell us uh, what we're going to talk about next time. Believe it or not, y'all, staff meetings are a kind of training. So we're going to be talking about staff meetings on our next episode. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, All right. You. Our final segment on each podcast is, of course, our best practice for leadership training. And again, we'd love to hear some of your memorable moments or your most effective tips. And you can tell us what they are using that good old hashtag camp code. And this week, our best practice is coming from Gaps. And this best best practice I learned from Ellen Nash. Um, so Ellen Nash is a legend in the Ontario Camp Association as well as the Canadian Camp Association. And um, I, you know, get to sometimes and, uh, you know, get to chit chat with her uh, at certain dinners. And I'm, I always feel very grateful and honored to, to have conversations with her. And I remember her, I asked her once, you know, what's your, if you could give any camp director advice, what, what would you, what would you tell them? And she said, her staff, they would have about 200 staff members. And she said, it's important that you look every single staff member in the eyes at least once a day. At least once a day, you smile at them and you look at them and you let them know that they, that they, you let them know that you see them. And I asked, well, how do you do that with 200 staff members and everybody's so busy? So one of the things that she, she does is that they always have a staff snack in, in the evening. And uh, not every staff member does go to the staff snack, but pretty much 95% of the staff. And she serves every staff member. She stands on the other side of the, of, of the serving station, whatever it is, she's serving it to them. Could be grilled cheese, could be nachos. Um, I'm clearly craving cheese right now. So, um, <laughs> so she, so, and that's what she does. And she, she says, hi, how are you? How was your day? And then afterwards she goes and she socializes. She's, she walks around. She says, thank you for your work today. And I thought this is such a wonderful um, show of kindness. And it's such a wonderful way of staying connected to your staff when you have a little bit of a larger staff, staff group. But what I, what I was thinking was in my mind, sometimes I think, oh, the staff are having snack. They're all having a good time. This is a great time for me to meet with my leadership team. We can have a meeting during this time. And what it has done for me is I've shifted some of my time management around when I'm meeting with staff members or when I'm getting stuff done, uh, where it seems the most appropriate time would be when they're off. But when they are off, I'm trying to be even more present. And I know for some camp directors, that's normal. And a lot of camp directors um, do spend time with their staff members when, when those staff members are off during social time and see the value. But for somebody that's introverted, that's also the time where you kind of don't want to be around people. That's a, it's a difficult time. So the fact that she had a task, I thought was really, really cool. So this year, what I started doing was when our staff member would do paperwork, instead of me doing paperwork myself, I, I brought Lego to the table and I would just build Lego. And, and then every five, six minutes, I'd stand up and go sit at another table, see how people are doing. And it was just my way of getting there. So uh, I really respect Ellen for staying up late and their, their uh, snacks were pretty late and she would stay up and, and do this every single night. And that's something that their staff could count on too. Their staff always knew she was there then. And I thought that was really cool. It's also a great example of servanthood and servant sure. leadership, which yeah. I really like, which is great. Yeah. Thanks Gab. Well, that wraps things up for today. Uh, we're so grateful you could join us once again. And thanks for the listening friends.
Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.